You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Back in Galatians this morning. Pass these around. Sir? About David, the uh, the bust which we looked at last week, we might look at again. Um, probably just going to leave him in here because right now there's a, uh, there's pre conversion and then there's everything else. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> um, I'm not sure what I would say to that, David. So the, the sovereign state. Uh, it's good. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for this day and for your mercy renewed each morning. I pray that you would come, be present, living, and active. Uh, take this time, make it yours. Um, give us your grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So in that vein, last week we're in Galatians. Um, uh, I'll come work my way back to grace and peace. Um, uh, Galatians, it just kind of struck me, say this again, kind of two weeks for an intro, and then next week will be the middle, and then we'll kind of two weeks for an outro. It's a five-week series. Uh, somewhere a few months ago, gosh, it might have been a couple of years ago, before COVID, but then hadn't been teaching in a while, and, and saying, we're going to get back into it. What do I want to do? And, and Galatians kept coming around, almost for me, as a word to help frame a lot of the cultural moments. Um, for lack of a better word, that I think we were finding ourselves in, whether that was COVID or the, the, the questions, um, uh, the racial upheaval, which is going on just a couple of blocks away from us um, back in June, uh, several of the other uh, isms that I've been reading about um, uh, that, are, that are prevalent. Just you know, some, some, some authors that I'm reading just call them sort of in a big umbrella of social justice theories um, uh, I, the way my brain works, I try to find a thread in the scriptures to to speak to that. And Galatians, I feel like was I use this word intentionally was given, um, uh, praising passivity. It's a phrase I want to use at least once each week. Um, uh, praise passivity where we can find it. Where Galatians, hey, Lisa Kate, um, where uh, Galatians was given. A word was given, and it really started at Galatians 5.1, so it started to work backwards a little bit. Uh, from Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom, I think, is a terribly important word, and one that is sorely lacking and sorely needed right now amongst a lot of our conversations. I mean, just kind of widely, um, whether it's within the church or for people outside of the church talking to one another, and certainly for us as we speak with others outside of the church. Um, just to have a gracious freedom where the fruit of truth and grace is freedom as we speak to one another. And then backing up from that, how do we get that freedom? That was 5.1, um, where faith expresses itself as love, 5.6. We go back to finding somewhere, and this will be next week, the center of Paul's letter, uh, we're trying to make sense at the end of chapter 3 where he speaks that um, we're, we are all now one in Christ Jesus. Um, 
without the markers that we normally bring to it, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, gender, class, ethnicity, less race in that specific context, more nationality. We'll see that with Peter today. Um, but still, for our current hour, it's certainly a part of it. And then how do we get there? That's where we are today in Galatians 2, the thunder in some ways, especially verses um, 16 and then 19 through 21. Um, we're at the center of that, um, contrasting the works of the law versus uh, having faith in Christ. Uh, the identity that, again, is done to us, where we're the passive recipients, we're receivers. Um, I have been crucified with Christ. Um, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me um, uh, for the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. Um, that's why this title came out, The Two Eyes. Who are these two eyes? There's an eye that's no longer living and an eye that's now living. Um, what in the world is Paul trying to say there? So with all that as our background, grace and peace to you once again from God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace being the source of our salvation and peace being the state or the condition of salvation. What salvation feels like? And now here's, again, what I'm going to use as an exhibit A probably for each of the five weeks. Um, uh, peace with God. Um, Galatians, Romans 5.1 Therefore, brothers and sisters, we now have peace with God. Uh, we who have been justified, who have been made right, who are okay, that's the last one, who are okay with God, who are okay within ourselves and okay with one another in a right relationship. All is good. All is well. Uh, peace. That peace which passes understanding. Not to be confused with happiness. Not to be confused with an absence of conflict or problems. For in this world we will always have trouble. But nonetheless, peace. A peace which passes understanding. How can I be still amidst conflict and toil and trouble and have peace? And here's the artist's um, representation, his own autobiography. Richard Thomas, probably, 19, I need to find out, see if we can find it. They're not famous, and so you don't really know. I'd, probably 1930, something like that, that would just put him up 50 years old. Um, looking back on his own conversion, uh, the one on the far left, uh, conviction of sin, something like that. The one in the middle, surprised by grace, the conversion, the moment of, a, uh, of, a, of the stroke of grace, of the coup de grace. And then the last one, the peace, the contentment now of living, uh, as it were, um, no longer under the law, but now hidden in Christ. That peace, which is going to bring uh, a marker of no longer having to live by the world's denominations, Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, um, to have freedom. Freedom not only to, certainly not to do anything you want, but now to allow this, this gift which we've been given to express itself as love. Um, first being loved by God, we love God, and then love one another, and going into the world bearing the marks of Christ Jesus. That's how Paul ends his letter. That'll be the last week out of Galatians 6. So that's kind of the meta. I'll, I'll probably repeat something like that each week just to kind of pull us back. There's that teaching style of kind of spheres and circles and always kind of going back a little bit before you go forward just to kind of bring the repetition to it um but also chance any thoughts interactions some of y'all were here last week some not small group certainly like conversation any 
Any thoughts there before we just kind of jump into the text? Or any more thoughts about the arrestment of Richard Thomas? Maybe we can call it that. That'd be a good one. So. Then, let's jump in. Um, where my notes are. As I think about this, and I'll have to apologize straight away, for I, <laughs> I am doomed to certain failure. There is no way I'm up for the task of, of uh, hey, Kellen, of, um, of the depth and profundity of this text. I mean, it really you can say this almost every week, but here we're in some deep, deep, deep craters uh, in the scripture and of Paul in particular. Um, this is where in one of his earliest letters, um, he first speaks the words justified by faith. Um, this is where we first encounter the word justify, righteousness, in, in, in this letter of Paul, and where he makes the distinction between not works of the law, but faith in Christ Jesus, uh, with this idea of, of, a, of the two eyes. Um, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So much to say that I won't begin to... Uh, to, to scratch the surface. Having said that, um, that's where I go a little bit elsewhere, just to help frame a little bit. Um, uh, we'll read the whole thing. But let me read verses 19 through 21, and then a little bit of what St. Augustine, Martin Luther, and Bob Dylan said about this. Um, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Christ who lives in me, and the life I now the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Augustine once said this: "Where I am not I, I am more happily I." Um, they who are already dead are living. He's trying to tap the same vein as Paul. Um, Bob Dylan once said, I am not me. Thank God I'm not me. What a great thing to say, huh? Um, do you know where it is, Martin? Is that a song? Um, um, I think it was in an interview somewhere. Um, I am not me. Thank God I am not me. Um, someone else refers to this passage as the speech of the dead. For the dead yet speaketh. So says the epistle of Jude, and then kind of riffing on that. Um, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. And yet, a voice continues. And it is no longer I who live. And so now the dead speaketh. Who is this speech? Or who is this dead person? You and I. And what does it mean to be dead? And yet we speak. And yet we live. And then Luther, in his commentary on Galatians, kind of put a... Um, uh, and I'm going to expand this just a little bit, took some liberties. Uh, he puts himself in an imaginary conversation with Paul and just simply says this. Paul says, I no longer live the life I now live. And then Luther speaking at Paul as says, I am not living as Paul now, for Paul is dead. My own life, I am not living. The gospel snatches us away from ourselves and places us outside of ourselves. For death is not the end. There is a love that's stronger than death. I love, uh, I'm sorry, love that which is dead necessarily creates and loves us into life. Um, 
here's this idea, this strange, um, very existential. It certainly has to do with our existence, our very being, of what's going to happen as we approach God. And as God, more appropriately, praising passivity, approaches us. Um, remember, part I didn't say coming into this to the uh, to the series. Paul gives a great correction of himself where he speaks as we normally do in a normal idiom. Therefore, now that we know God, and then he, com- he pauses a little bit and puts a comma there on the page, like, rather, are known by God. And then he continues. And I think that's a great interruption for us to always hold on to. Now that I know God, now that I've come to God, now that I am pursuing God, comma, let me say that right. Now that God is pursuing me, now that God knows me, now that God has come to me, um, now that I have been loved, dot, 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 dot. Um, so here we are with the words. Um, well, let me stop. Um, here's a picture. Um, maybe put this in our heads, and then we'll uh, go into the text. I've looked, and I just can't find it. It's just gone on the Internet somewhere. In the earlier days of the Internet, I wouldn't say the earliest days, but... In the earlier days of the internet, isn't it funny to speak that way? Um, uh, so probably, I don't know, 2004, 2005. You know, just when things like this were kind of going around, I saw a video that somebody sent me. Um, I think it was a short film actually, where on the outside it was like this model. It was kind of cheap, and it was that's kind of what made it good. It was real kitschy uh, of a plane. Um, like a 737 flying in a storm, and it was a fake storm, and you know, thunder and lightning, very, very frightening, all that sort of thing. And then you go on the inside, and it looks like a, you know, a plane that we've all been in, um, with a lot of turbulences going. And then the, the captain comes on, um, and everybody's a little bit scared, uh, and you hear the ding, ding, and then everybody gets really quiet, and the captain comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that that we've just lost power, Um, something like this. Uh, There's nothing else that we can do. Um, The plane's gonna go down. Um, We've got a few minutes. Go ahead and prepare yourselves. Uh, We're we're gonna die. And then he goes off, and there's this pregnant pause. Everything's turbulent and all that stuff. And then the lights come on, and everybody stands up. And I think he says, now you're free to move around the cabin. And everybody just stands up, and they're having a party. They are just having the best time. And as you go outside, and here's the wind and the rain and the lightning and the turbulence, and it'll go inside, and they couldn't be happier. It is unbridled joy. And it's something of like that, not this, but that aspect. And I'm not saying death is something to be welcomed or it's no big deal. It is the enemy, and it is the, uh, it is, it, it is the cause of tremendous fear in, in all of us. And yet, at the same time, the death that that, uh, uh, that we've already died frees us from the death which is yet to come. And that's what that little clip wanted to sort of pick up on. The death that we've already died, I have been crucified with Christ, frees us for the death for that, to the death which is yet to come for each one of us. For here we are living and moving and breathing in our flesh. Um, uh, I think that's an image to hold on to as we read. I thought of that, uh, that video, that little film, when I was reading this and preparing for this this week. Um, the death, death, true death, is life before Christ and apart from death with Christ. But then life after Christ, 
over here, uh, dying with Christ, in other words, being crucified with Christ, as Paul is going to say, is true joy. It's freedom. It's a sense of being able to come into uh, the world without fear. Um, so, let's read uh, uh, verses 11 through 21. Um, but when Cephas, which is the old name for Peter, so Peter, the great fisherman, um, uh, the chief apostle, as it were. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, Peter drew back, and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by, his, by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves, now Paul speaking to Peter, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and yet we know that a person is not justified, first time he uses that word, by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not, for I should rebuild, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So jumping in, gosh, there's a lot here. Um, what's going on at the first? Um, just at a meta level, um, it's a remarkable thing that our scriptures have these first few verses included in, uh, in, in the Bible. Um, Cephas, Peter, and Paul, two of the pillars of the early church, the book of Acts in some ways divides pretty nearly half and half. The first half is about Peter, the second half is about Paul. And upon these two men, the apostle to the Jews and the apostle to the Gentiles, as it were, Peter, the Jews in Jerusalem, uh, and, and Paul from Antioch, where Christians were first called Christians, uh, Gentile territory, far, far away from Jerusalem. Um, there's Paul, his missionary journeys, he takes the gospel until the ends of the earth. Uh, here they are opposing one another in open public opposition. This isn't just sort of committee notes that come out later and says, oh, there was some internal disagreement, but they worked it out and didn't, didn't sully the, uh, the face of the franchise. Out in front of everybody, Paul comes up to Peter and says, you're wrong. You're not walking in the right direction of the gospel. What's this all about? When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Um, for before, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when he came, uh, they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. 
certain men from James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, uh, was attached to men of the circumcision group. What does that mean? It's a funny word. Uh, the issue here was now that they were sort of in the second generation of growth. Every organization, the church, even way back then, was no, uh, not separated from this. Struggles after the faith of the founder. Uh, what are we going to do when it begins to grow? It's a crucial time. And the church, in the early church, was not exempted from this. So as it started to go outside of Jerusalem, where it was a mission to the Jews, but to Gentiles, um, or people of a, of a mixed religion in Judea and in the surrounding countryside, where they're a little bit Jewish, a little bit Gentile because of intermarriage, what do we do? Do we require first that, so we know how the Jews become Christians, but how do Gentiles become Christians? Are they supposed to first go through like in a flowchart and become Jews? Because to do that, circumcision, an outward mark that says you belong to the, uh, to the promise of Abraham, um, the Jewish holidays, the Jewish kosher laws, the dietary laws, you eat this, you don't eat that. Um, Peter had the vision, um, uh, what is that, Acts 11, something like that, uh, three times it says, you know, I'm declaring all foods clean. So we know that. It's a simple fear. He feared the men of the circumcision party. Uh, boiling that down, um, kind of borrowing phrases from several other people, uh, what does this mean? It's the Christ plus anything else party. The circumcision party says, uh, this is not enough. Christ alone is not enough. Christ for sinners is not enough. Christ and circumcision or dietary observance. Or, now we get personal. You know, what about you? Um, what about me? Christ in education um, and articulation, apprehension of the gospel. Um, of a, of a right thinking, of a right belonging to the right church, um, uh, Christ and what? Makes you more acceptable, trying to get over there to the far right side, to be okay, to be made right, to be righteous, to be cleared righteous, justified. Uh, Christ and anything. Uh, it's the natural impulse of our hearts to want to add on, to make ourselves okay, either in this world, to each other, or to God. Um, uh, and the gospel wants to come in 100 times out of 100 and says, no. In no uncertain terms. No, nothing and no thing like that. And that's going to be the strong language at the very end. I do not, I will not nullify the grace of God. Um, so the next, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, he drew back, he separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Um, Paul saw that their conduct, that Peter's conduct, was not in step. That's going to be tied to the language in a minute of transgressors, uh, that he oversteps the line. It's not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So Christ said in several places, um, in different ways, a little leaven works with the whole batch of dough. And I think, I don't know where, I don't know, it doesn't matter who said it. Uh, somebody once said, you want some spaghetti? You know, here's this great pot. You should know, there's just a little bit of mouse droppings in it. You know, it wasn't much, 
but it's going to be fine. I stirred it up, and so it should just be mixed in there, and it's not a big deal. Um, ruin the whole pot of spaghetti. A little bit of anything else besides pure spaghetti ruins everything. Um, uh, Christ plus anything, no matter how small it is, ruins the whole batch. There is no room for Christ plus uh, in, in Paul's way of thinking. And that's where he's going to come down to this distinction, not but. Not by works of the law, but by faith in Christ. You might even say by Christ alone. Um, so he goes into this place. We ourselves, Peter, you and me, we're Paul and Peter. We're Jews by birth. In this instance, he's saying this Jews by birth, um, Jews by nature. This is a work of the law. That's what he's going to introduce it as. It's, uh, this is the Christ plus. We're Jews. We've got Christ and we've got the bona fide of being Jewish, of having the right school, obeying the right things, doing the right things, looking the right way, behaving the right way. Whatever it is, we're, we're, we, we belong. We're the place that other people are aspiring to come into. Um, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, and now he's starting to go, this is the truth, yet we know that a person is not justified or rendered righteous, um, uh, is not, not condemned by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So what are these works of the law? I mean, at the specific sense, of course, it's the obedience to the Ten Commandments. Let's put it, only got a few minutes, let's put this in short order. But in bigger ways, um, not by works of the law. Let's think about that. Um, is there a problem with the law? There's no problem with the law. The law of God is good, right, and holy. There's no problem with the conduct or the content of the law. There's not even a problem with our outward expressions of, quote, good behavior, as it were, that goes on. The problem with the works of the law don't have to do with uh, what's inside of us, and that's our heart. The spoilage of our hearts, the, the corrupt nature of our heart takes what is good, right, and holy, a pot of spaghetti, as it were, and you put it into a mousetrap. <laughs> I never said it that way before. And now it just ruined everything. And so it's not by works of the law because of our sinful nature. Uh, we cannot. It's not that we won't. We can't be made right. We can't get that kind of contentment and peace. It is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith. First time that phrase is now put out there. And not, he says again, by works of the law. The absolute dichotomy, not this, but that. Christ alone is sufficient for our sins. Nothing and no thing do we bring. Um, I know it's the same word, the same string that I hope we hear here every week. And yet it needs to be plucked again and again and again. Let me hit pause. Um, there's a lot more to say. I'm going to say something. Interact with that a little bit, if you want to. Um, not by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. That is how we are justified, by faith in Christ. It's hard to talk in these masks. Um, uh, that, 
is not really a good analogy, but it would be like Peter hanging out with a group of people not wearing masks. <laughs> and he sees the people coming with that mask, and he puts his mask back on and then starts telling them they have to wear masks. That's right. As well. Yeah. Because the legal aspect yeah. have to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's illegal. Yeah, it's good. We're going to have all sorts of COVID <laughs> illustrations for a few, several years. We'll ride this way. And, and just the whole idea of shaming yeah. people that aren't walking the straight and narrow. Yep. Who's in and who's out? I was that, just was earlier scripture. I was reminded that I was listening to a podcast in the 1960 movie Spartacus starring Burt Lancaster. They were talking about freedom and he says for a slave the only freedom is death hmm. which is it's good you're now free to move around the cabinet <laughs> yeah that'd be crucified with Christ whose service is perfect freedom um, that's good let me move on because um, I do want to get to the 1921 um Going to 19. For through the law, I died to the law. Um, what we just said, there's nothing wrong with the law. The content of the law, the, uh, uh, even you know, the externality of what you can observe uh, from the observance of the law, peace, patience, kindness, you know, giving to the poor, doing this, not doing that. Those in and of themselves aren't bad. It's the human heart, the corrupt nature of ourselves that is wrong. And so here's the, the ministration that God gives us through his word as law. It is through the law that I died to the law. Um, by trying to keep the law, uh, it killed me. I fought the law and the law won. Old song, Paul's all loves to sort of pick up. Um, uh, more contemporary for us as a church, reading the Pilgrim's Progress, was it when Hopeful was recounting to uh, Christian, his progress that he encountered Moses and Moses, it's a great scene it's only like three three lines of text Moses comes and he didn't know who he was, so I'm like the dark figure in Genesis 32 uh, Hopeful's telling Christian, Christian, how'd you get here and then I met this guy and he came and, and he pushed me down, he didn't have any expression on his face and he just beat me but I managed to get up and he just pushed me down and he just kicked me and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And I was in a stupor and I, I struggled to get up. He just pushed me down. He just kept kicking me and kicking me and kicking me. And he never changed. And it was only, only by the grace of God that I look up and see someone else passing by. And uh, I'm interpolating a little bit here. And Christian says, oh, that was Moses. <laughs> what a great one. Oh, that was Moses. The law which does not feel. Moses, the lawgiver, which has no emotion. That was Moses who just kicks us, pushes us down, and beats us till we're nearly, till we're dead. Hopeful didn't die. Because then, what did he look upon? Uh, a man who I didn't know came along, and, he, uh, and he, he somehow squelched Moses, and he lifted me up. But I did see the, star, the scars upon his hands. And then Christian says, oh, that was our beloved Lord. You saw him. That was our beloved Lord, who alone can silence the law. It's a great, it's like, it's all, it took me a lot longer to say all that. 
then it's in the book. You can almost miss it. It's three, four lines. If you're skim reading, you, you, won't, you won't see it. That's Moses. It's through the law that I died to the law. Um, this is what the law does. It kills us. Um, it brings us uh, uh, to our end. The law is its own end. Um, less. Yeah. That's right. Say more. You've got some great art okay, on this, David. First he was yeah. Told to beat the rock, yeah. But his flesh, the second time, he did not hear the word of God just to speak to it. He listened to that voice. Yeah. He beat the rock and his reward was dead. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, Moses, the law has no feeling. The law has no, no power in and of itself to save us. The law's power is a peculiar power, and it's powerful. Oh, it's powerful. Its power is to kill us, but the power is not to save us. It does not bring us salvation. The power of the law is the first one, to bring us to a right awareness of ourselves, to the corruptness of our heart, that in and of myself I cannot do anything which will advance me before God. By works of, not by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus alone, um, so that I might live to God. Um, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. The first I, the old Adam, um, the old creature, uh, the old, uh, which is going to be gone and the new will come, as Paul says elsewhere, the old has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Now the new creature comes out, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, life is always lived in the eternal now, when God is present. Uh, the life that I now live, who is this now who lives? It is the Christian. It is the Christian in each one of us. A funny way to say that. Uh, uh, lives in the flesh. For I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me find my end here. Um, when we hear this word faith, we've heard it three times here in, uh, in this short passage. Not by works in the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith in Christ, and now I live by faith in the Son of God. What are we to hear? We are to hear very particularly gift. Faith is always a gift so that no man may boast. I think we can. the interpretive key of Ephesians 2 is right. Um, faith, which is a gift always a gift and it comes by hearing uh, it's not of our own doing but we receive and we're passive uh, faith comes as a gift and it's the gift of God's promise the surety that Christ is for sinners um, the way that I'm sort of thinking about this these days what is the gospel Christ for sinners not just Christ even that's not enough for Christ can become the new lawgiver if you don't see him aright but Christ who is always for sinners. And here we hear this, this incredibly lovely words which give sweet, sweet comfort to each one of us. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, this gift and the promise of God. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. And those words as well. I think we can always stop and dwell at the words for me um, echoing Peter uh, Lord it's good for us to be here <laughs> let's stay and kind of build some tents and dwell here for a while in this for me uh, 
Who is this me? Because that's what we're asking. Which I is this? Who loved me and gave himself for me. This wretched and damnable sinner who is loved anyway. Who is yet loved by God. Um, I do not nullify this grace of God. For if I nullify the grace of God, I will not do it. For that's to say, that cross, that blood, that Savior, this mediation, my advocate, your death, uh, which Christ said it is finished, we say when we nullify the grace of God, not enough. That's not enough. Um, what you did for me, not enough. I've got to add something to it. Um, that's where Paul then bridges over to the first part of Galatians 3. Great words. You foolish Galatians. Here's the context, and we'll end here. Hopefully a word of gospel. I will not, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And that's what he's saying the Galatians did. So he says, you idiots! Christ's death was sufficient for your sins. Period. That's enough. Let us hear that word, that it is enough. And it is finished. That's the surprise by that kind of grace. This caress of God, this gift of God, which no one can do anything to bring which then brings a peace which passes understanding and a peace which sustains us so that when we face death, we can actually say, where, O death, is thy sting? Where, O death, is thy victory? For my victory is in Christ Jesus, who won this for me long, long ago. So with that, let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for this day. Um, Take these words feebly offered in such such glorious mountains here, Lord. Uh, Take them and and speak through them uh, to your purposes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. See you all next week. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.